Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey, what's up, Golf Strategy School? Marty back here with you again. And I know we've been doing interviews more often again, and I wanted to do another interview, and I wanted to do it from a slightly different perspective. So I want to introduce to you Henry McGannon. Henry is, uh, he's a damn good player, first and foremost, but he's also a caddy, and he is the founder of RealGolfers.co, a fantastic online uh, clothing brand. I'm actually wearing one of their shirts right now. It's it's one of those where it's crazy comfortable and you don't, I promise you, you don't have to fuss with this whole, I'm pulling up my left sleeve forever so I can hit my big drive. Uh, it's the nice <laughs> thing about the, the way the fabric kind of holds you. Henry, thank you so much for joining us. How are we doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. I'm glad you reached out. One of the, the big things that I think, you know, when we, when we were talking about our audience my audience is mainly kind of like that weekend golfer who's trying to get more serious and, you know, maybe taking their first foray into playing tournaments or events or stuff like that. And I really saw the opportunity to talk to a, a fantastic caddy, a caddy who paid for school <laughs> by doing yeah. it to really kind of get your perspective on a couple of things across the board, kind of like what can people expect and what should they expect from a caddy? Like what is a good caddy experience? And then also you know, what are some of the maybe unrealized things that people should kind of bring into that equation when they're deciding whether or not to hire a caddy. So first and foremost, I mean, what should people expect from a, you know, from a quality caddying experience? Uh, there's a lot to expect. We can, we can help players in a lot of different ways. I would say first and foremost, we're just going to be there with you enjoying the round, making it a more pleasurable experience, just hanging out, good company, good jokes, talking about golf. So, and on top of that, we're going to help you play your best golf. Yeah. That's, that's really the, I think that's what people realize after the fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of times I think the the people that I've talked to, in their experience, it's, oh, man, like I had an opportunity to play at a course with caddies like four or five times. I never took the caddy. What the heck was I thinking? And I know I, I haven't used the caddy a lot, mainly because I don't usually play at that level, of course. But the times that I have had the opportunity to use a caddy and the times that I did have the opportunity and chose not to, they were different experiences. Now I've never been back to one of the courses that I chose not to have a caddy at, but when it, when it comes down to why you're out there playing golf, unless you're playing Thursday through Sunday, it's probably not to cut a paycheck. <laughs> it's probably right. to get out there and relax and have fun. 
And I know even when I was doing junior tournaments that we had two or three tournaments a year where we were allowed to have a caddy. And I always took one of my friends, not because they knew anything about golf, but because they would keep me in my kind of let's have fun. Let's not get like overly concerned about score type of headspace. So I can either let a bad hole go or keep myself focused on, on just kind of having fun and keeping it loose and, and swinging free. So when we're talking about caddying, what do you think is the most important skill a caddy can bring to the table? That's a great question. I would say the most important skill that a caddy could bring to the table would just be course knowledge and communication. So if you can't communicate with your player, it's really hard to help them. Um, and every player is different. Uh, like for instance, you're reading a putt for a guy and you say right edge, he might think it's inside the right edge. So he needs to keep it inside the hole. Other guys might think that's outside the right edge. So you really need to make sure you communicate those little things. And on top of that, you really have to establish trust. Like first impressions are huge with caddying, just like anything in life. Uh, if the player doesn't really have complete faith in you, it's not going to be a great because golf, you have to be so committed to every shot. If the player doesn't fully trust the caddy, it's not going to be as uh, fruitful of a relationship as it possibly can be. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I know, especially the trust aspect of it. Course knowledge is, is hugely deep. And I think when people think of caddies, that's probably the, the first thing that comes to their mind is like, okay, they're going to know, is this a better side of the fairway to be on versus that? Uh, let's be honest, you're happy with anywhere in the fairway. <laughs> but, you know, when I was playing in Scotland a couple of years ago, I had a caddy on, uh, on uh, Royal. Uh, oh my Lord. I can't believe it. Royal Dornach. There we go. I was going to say, I can't believe I forgot. They're all, they're all like Royal something over there. Yeah. This one, this one was rated as the eighth most difficult course in the world. And it was the third oldest golf course in the world. And it's like right on the ocean. And we've got a solid, steady, like 30, 35 mile an hour wind in our face. And like, I, I play the first hole and the caddy is just very much absorbing how I play golf. Yep. And we get to the second hole and we're still like dead into the teeth of the wind. We can feel it on the team box. And he asks me, you know, what club do I want? And then he asks me how far I'm thinking for that club. And because he's been there a thousand times, he knew that the hedgerow for anything lower flighted than like a seven iron cuts out 90% of the wind. And he's like, no, 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 no. You know, he's like, it feels like it's a solid two clubs. He's like, I guarantee it's only one. And, and having that experience, it didn't get me on the green, but that was my own damn fault. Uh, <laughs> but it got me my first taste of what a road hole bunker is like. And, uh, you know, later on in the round, he, he came across a situation where he had seen me chip a couple of times. He knew that it had been a while since I practiced because we were there for, I think, two or three weeks. And that was the first time I had golfed in those couple of weeks. So we're sitting 30 yards off the green. And he goes, just putt. And I'm like, it's like a 60 yard shot though. And we're dead into the wind. And I, I, was, I started to make this argument. And all I could think of is I'm breaking my own rules. My own rules when I coach art, you can putt, you do putt. Like, yeah, it's, it's basically the same, you know, the same grain, the same role. Let's just give this thing a smack. <laughs> and it, it worked out. I, 
I laid it up from 30 yards to about 20 feet, which is way better than I was going to do with that wedge in my hands on that day. So what's like the, the biggest kind of diametrically opposed, the biggest switch you've gotten someone to make when you were caddying? Uh, man, that's a great question. I would say uh, putting is a big one, um, but there's a lot of times with the ocean course. So the ocean course is super windy. Um, and a lot of times players will want to chip like you did. And uh, if it's downwind on the ocean course, the ball will just, even on like a 10 yard chip shot, the ball will just keep rolling and keep rolling. And it'll just roll all the way off the green if it's downwind. So just like you said, anytime somebody has a wind putt or shot from just off the green, I'm going to putt it. Whereas if they're chipping or putting into the wind from off the green, they can just throw it up in the air and the wind is so out there, they'll just knock the ball down and it'll just sit right where it lands. So I would say something that people don't expect me to tell them to do is think about the wind on like 10 yard shots, because it's really important out there. And I never realized that until I met Gary player out at the ocean course. And he was, yeah, it was cool. He, he was the one who said, you really have to pay attention to the wind on these chip shots out here. And I'd never even thought about that until he said that. And it's so important on a course like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I imagine, especially Oceanside, you're carrying so much more moisture with it that, you know, you don't realize what a, a fractional increase of momentum over and over and over again, you know, just, just in that little 30 feet of airtime can do for you. So yeah. I mean, the wind cool. is so strong out there. You'll see someone like blade a seven iron if it's downwind and it'll roll like through a bunker and then through some like tall grass and it seems impossible, but the wind is just so strong. It just keeps going. Huh. It's always part of the conversation to be aware of your surroundings, take care of the wind and things like that. But when you're in extremes outside of what you may have experienced, it's important to listen to a, a more experienced party who might have that local <laughs> knowledge. You're not wrong. It's, you got to listen. It's no to different than, than getting paired up with the local clubhouse rat, you know, who's just always out right. there, always playing. They know that it's a 13 foot breaker on a putt, even though it looks like maybe five or six feet, they've yeah. been there, they live there, they know the deal. So that's awesome. I like that. You know, when we look at, at caddying kind of from the other side of the coin, what should people be aware of or like expectation wise, like what will a caddy cover? You know, is obviously we're all used to the, we, we know the caddy's going to carry the bag. We know that once they get a feel for like our distances and our clubs, they might start making recommendations there. But, you know, mm-hmm. what would you say is like the normal scope of caddy duties? Uh, I'd say the main thing is just making sure the guest or the player has a good time on the course. Um, you got to know your audience. So a lot of guys or uh, ladies really just they want to play well. They want to shoot the best number they can. And in those situations, you just do everything you can to learn everything about their game as quickly as possible. Uh, get them to make adjustments for the course and the conditions. Uh, And then you have players who just want to have fun and uh, they want to drink beer and they want to have a good time. And we're not going to drink beer out as we want to, Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) if someone just wants to have a good time, then we'll just, you know, if they hit it in the hazard, be like, all right, we'll just drop one up here at 150 and we'll try to make a par and uh, (laughs) whatever it takes to help the player have the best experience possible. Yeah. So if you get a bachelor party out there, Versus yeah. you get a, yeah, a single who's you've, you've seen on the putting green for like the last hour and a half. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that's, that's this might be slightly different perspectives. 
Yeah, it's always a good sign when you see a guy go to the putting green before he hits balls. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. When uh, that's I like that idea that you know you're you're really there in tune with the customer to feel that out and see which direction they want to go and to go that direction with them, which is awesome. When you're, you know, when you are helping that person who is trying to, you know, shoot their, their personal best or whatever, roughly how many holes does it take you to kind of learn their game, their system, their thought process before you feel like you can really start contributing? Uh, at the ocean course, I would say it's four holes. So the first hole is like wide open. You can hit driver, you can hit three wood. It's not very long. Uh, you see what keys they're playing. So the first hole, you see them hit some pretty easy shots, see how they do there. And then the second hole is you play, you have to carry it like up to 250 off the tee. So you'll see how far they carry the driver, whether they're comfortable hitting driver off the tee, because a lot of guys just want to hit four iron all day. Um, and then the fourth hole is a forced layup. So you'll see how they do with like a three iron off the tee or a three wood. You'll see how they do with the driver. You'll see how they do around the greens by that point in the round. And uh, at, after four holes, usually at the ocean course, I can tell exactly what a guy's game or a lady's game is, is going to be like through the rest of the day. That's cool. Yeah, because you, you're getting kind of the full scope view of how they handle all those different situations. Yeah, you really, at the ocean course in the first four holes, you have to hit every shot. Wow, that's good advertising for the ocean course. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just like a walking billboard for that place. <laughs> well, hey, that's... I mean, that, that means that you had, you know, a really good experience caddying there and it's a place that other golfers should kind of keep on their list, which is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. So speaking of kind of down, down that vein, you know, you played collegiately, you've, you've won some amateur tournaments. When we talk about the differences in golfers that you may be more of that, have fun, just uh, let's make a par from 150 type of golfers to people who start to get into that competitive tournament level, where do you see the biggest differences, whether it's play mindset, wherever it falls? Uh, it's definitely mindset. Um, like you see a lot of guys and this isn't as much guys that I've caddied, uh, friends that I have that I play golf with who, when we go out on, you know, relaxed day, we're teeing off at 4 PM. It's just us. There's absolutely no nerves going on. Uh, they play great. But then as soon as we start playing for 20 bucks or we start playing in a tournament, uh, it's just a totally different story. And I, I don't know why, honestly, I've been trying to figure it out my whole life, trying to figure out how to be comfortable under pressure, what causes us to feel so tense under pressure, because you can't do anything in life well while you're tense, including golf, yeah. especially golf. Yeah. Um, yeah especially golf. So I would say the main difference there is just who can play well, who can relax when it really matters. And it's really just a matter of tricking yourself into doing it because everybody wants to play well. We all practice. We all play. We all that's want what we're here for. Well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all like, that's really the main goal that we all have and you can't control the results. And it's, it's really easy to worry too much about the results, but if you can get to the point where you can relax hit your best shot and forget about what happens, the end result. That's, that's the player who usually does well under pressure in tournaments. Yeah. And for me, that's the kind of in the moment aspect, the shot by shot, not thinking ahead of, you know, the difficult hole that you may struggle with. That's two holes in the future. And so take your eye off the game yeah. for the current two holes and then 
now you're walking into the hole that you don't like having gone bogey bogey or double double or something (laughs) like that so I, I definitely agree that it's that it's the mindset and when we see people take that step from that kind of weekend golfer mid 90s sometimes they're over 100 to consistently in the 80s I think that's one of the first dominoes that falls over is they're able to let something go eventually they don't yeah. hold it with them for the entire round I see it all the time with uh, you know the people who are still shooting above 100 they get they'll be off to a great start. They'll have like par, par, bogey, par, and then they'll have a triple. Mm -hmm. And then the only thing they can envision is the train totally falling off the tracks, which becomes a (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And they just steer it right into the bushes. They get tense. Everything just, they, they lose their focus is what it really comes down to. And when they realize like, well, if I just would have, like, if my goal is to break a hundred and I started par, par, bogey, par, and I just had a triple, that means I'm still on track to shoot 90. That's still plenty of buffer between me and my goal. Yeah. But it's how do we get more kind of in the moment focused? And at least for my students, the way that I, I go about it is to have them set micro goals rather than big overarching goals. So we don't shoot for a number. We shoot for a number of fairways, a number of greens and reg, and a number of putts and a number of up and downs. And that yeah, way, it, it's a smaller, just kind of like checkbox statistic. It scratches the itch of like, I have to keep track of something. But at the same yeah. time, it doesn't get you so focused on the number. It's just like, oh, okay, it's, I just had to do this. Check. We're good. Move on. It's kind of also learning how to practice under pressure. How can you simulate pressure in your practice? which is, mm-hmm. a, I think, a huge difference between, like you said, the, the person who can go out with buddies and play fantastic, and then as soon as any type of stake is on the line, then they're kind of crumbling. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, that's the driving range hero. Because yeah. <laughs> when conditions are perfect and when there's nothing on the line, when you can just grab another ball and do it again, they can do it. But you need to get into that position where you're, you're giving yourself a consequence. And for me, with my students, we do that through like a lot of different types of ladder drills, you know, where you have uh, some type of metric that you have to meet. Usually I say between like a 30 and a 70% success rate on whatever you define as success. Mm -hmm. And when you do something 10 times, you just want to be somewhere within that 30 to 70% success rate, because it means you're still learning. If you're under 30% success rate, then it's something that is, too difficult for you. We need to take one step back and then reapproach. If you are over that 70% success rate, like, okay, we get it. You mastered it. You're not being challenged anymore. Let's move on. And Hmm. when we, when we get into those situations in practice and when we have those types of drills where if you don't get it right, then you have to start the whole damn thing over. You experience that pressure little by little and you kind of thicken your skin so you can handle it when it's actually time to do the stuff. So that's, yeah, that's a really good point. That's at least how I go about it. That. And if I get people early enough, like when they're truly learning, learning the game, I have them learn backwards from the green going back to the tee box. That's the right way to do it. And like, let's, let's drop a golf ball 10 feet off the green par is four. Let's get down and four. And when we can get down and four from 10 feet off the green, then we move it back to 10 yards and then back to 
probably 25 and then 50. And as long as we're getting down in four, everything's cool, but you don't get to progress until you've done that 30 to 70% success rate down in four. And, you know, you keep stretching it back, stretching it back. And then all of a sudden it's not a big deal to hit a tee shot because you know how to do everything in between the tee and the green. So. Yeah. Once you can get to the point where you can get up and down like 20 or 30% of the time, it loosens up the rest of your game because you know, if you miss the green, you still have a really good chance of making par or bogey at worst. And I think I really like that number too. I'm glad you mentioned it because I think when, when you do get that confidence in your ability to get up and down occasionally, we're not saying, you know, 50, 60% of the time, we're just saying occasionally then you can get to the point where you don't have to fear it. So you can approach it much more calmly. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in the good way that it was like, okay, well, I feel comfortable chipping on and around the green. So now I don't, I don't have that fear from a hundred yards or 120. So I can just kind of go at it with that confidence to know that even if it doesn't work out great, I can still kind of pull myself out of trouble. And because now you have less pressure on yourself, you're able to, to get it done at a higher rate. So Henry, you've obviously had a lot of experience in golf in your life from playing through school to caddying, to doing all of your amateur tournaments. Obviously everybody can know and hear and see why or what I have done to keep golf in my life, but what have you done to keep golf in your life kind of after all the mandatory stuff? Man, everything. <laughs> golf is <laughs> golf is everything to me, and I'll do everything I can in my power to keep playing golf as much as I can. Uh, I would say the main thing is just I, I kept caddying after college, graduated with a marketing degree, and could have gone and gotten a you know a normal job or a more traditional job, but caddying allows me to be around the game constantly, and more importantly, it allows me to play golf for free. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly. <laughs> yeah, most importantly, for sure. And my bosses, if they heard this, they'd be like, yeah, we, we know. <laughs> so It's yeah, factored just, into your wage. <laughs> yeah, just working in golf is really the biggest thing for me. Well, so speaking of work, you are the, the founder and creator of realgolfers.co. And you've got some, actually, I do a... Every, I think most of my audience knows this. Every Monday I have a, a PGA pro that I talk with just to like, kind of keep my mind right on everything golf related. And I was telling them about the shirts. I'm like, dude, you need one of these. It's like, it's that nice kind of stretchy fabric, but it's light and it's airy and it doesn't, it like, it doesn't hold, hold you. But at the same time, you don't have to keep doing, you know, the whole shoulder up thing for your big drives. And he was scrolling through the website uh, again, realgolfers.co. And he was saying, he's like, you know what? He's like, dude, you're a badger. You need that luau. Because you need that luau. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I'm brave enough for that yet. But you've got some really awesome shirts that are made of really high quality materials with cool designs. So why don't you tell us how, how this all came about? This came about mainly because I never really had as nice of golf shirts as I wanted. And uh, there was a day where I realized, like, of the 50 or 60 golf shirts I had, every single one was either a shirt that I'd won in a golf tournament or a shirt that I'd gotten from a golf course I worked at. 
And uh, I realized the reason is just they're too expensive. I, I never wanted to spend 90 bucks on a shirt that I was going to get sweaty in. And uh, I was going to buy another one like a month later. So I didn't want to spend all that money on one shirt. And uh, I realized a lot of my friends kind of have the same mindset. And uh, I looked into it. It's actually not too expensive to uh, make these shirts. And it's pretty viable to sell them for an affordable price. And on top of all that, golf is such an exclusive game already, when in reality, it could be the most inclusive game of all time because anyone can play it. Doesn't matter how old you are, how big you are, how fast you are, none of that matters. Anyone can play it. So I thought selling affordable high-end golf shirts would be a good place to get started in making golf more inclusive because it's the game I love and I want everyone to enjoy it. Yeah, that's a lot of what I've set out for as well from the kind of unique approach to instruction side. The idea of paying $90 for a golf shirt for some of you might seem crazy and for others of you might seem cheap. Yeah. yeah. There, you know, there is a, a really wide range and I, I had to kind of laugh to myself because for a long, long time, just about every single shirt that I had in my repertoire was the shirt that came with the tournament that you played in, or yep. you know, it, it was won somewhere in a different event, or it was the flag prize for yep. you know, for whatever <laughs> type of thing. And I yeah, I got to the point where every single shirt that I had, you know, either had some big gaudy chest logo or like a you know gigantic sleeve or like a back thing. I'm, yeah. I, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I can buy myself real shirts. Real quick here. You're going to hear us start throwing around some numbers about $90 shirts to be clear. Real golfers echo do not sell shirts for 90 bucks. They're much more in the $45 range as of this recording. At ninety bucks, which is which is kind of a conservative average. At, at ninety bucks, right. <laughs> you're you're still not running into great products, but you're dealing with all the the major players, and they know that they can just kind of stick together and make the market price so their margins work. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see you approaching it that way. Yeah, and I'm definitely not trying to undercut anybody, uh, any other brands, but it really doesn't need to be so expensive for golf shirts. It, it just doesn't have to be. Yeah. And so I guess when, when you come to realgolfers.co, you're going to see a lot of cool designs. How did you come through that process in terms of selection, creation, and all that jazz? With this most recent collection, the Jester collection, the one that you're wearing and the one that I'm wearing, uh, I designed it myself. I used Adobe Illustrator, which is way more robust <laughs> than <Yep>. I expected <laughs> it to be. It was, it was a bit of a learning process just to design some simple patterns, but uh, I just, I looked at golf shirts that I've had in the past that I really liked and sort of drew inspiration from those. And, uh, just, I designed it on Adobe Illustrator, sent it over to my supplier and they made it happen. Nice. I don't know about the, the clothing industry and how stuff is made and all that jazz, but the printing on this, it's, it doesn't look like it's dye print. Is it laser printed onto the, onto the fabrics? Uh, it's called sublimation. So it's a process where they like heat up the inks like so much that it literally just goes right into the shirt. Huh. Nice. 
So the nice part there is that it's the kind of ink that doesn't fade, I guess is what I'm really getting at. Yeah, so. exactly. It doesn't fade. <laughs> it's definitely, it's not like stitched in there. So it's not going to feel weird while you're moving around playing golf. Yep. Yeah. You don't feel, you don't feel all the back of the seams, you know, right. on your arm or on your chest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I can't wait to show this one off. Cause this is the, this is the real golfers one. It's, I like it. From a distance, it looks kind of like houndstooth, which is coming back. And my golf league gives me shit all the time about trying to be the the trendsetter. So, screw it, <laughs> lean in, right? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Wear it, wear it everywhere. <laughs> For you, where did this this drive to make golf more inclusive come from? Uh, so I actually don't know if I've ever told anybody this. I was listening to a podcast uh, about Damon John. He's one of the sharks on Shark Tank. Yep, Fubu. And he's the yeah, he's the creator of FUBU, which is for us, by us. So he started that brand because it was the early 90s, I think, maybe late 80s. And yep. people in the hip hop community didn't really have a brand of their own. So he started that uh, and made it affordable for them and made it accessible for them and made it about them. Uh, so that's kind of where the name and the idea come from. Real golfers, uh, in my opinion, real golfers are people who just love to play. It doesn't matter if they have a ton of money. It doesn't matter where they play. It really doesn't even matter what they wear. Uh, it's just people who love playing golf. And uh, I think about 90% of those people can't afford to spend X amount on a super nice golf shirt. But they want to have nice golf shirts too, just like the guys at Caddy for. So that was probably the biggest inspiration for getting this, uh, getting this company going, just making uh, – making a brand that's for all golfers. I, I really like that. Cause honestly, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. That was the first thing I thought of. It made me think of FUBU. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's awesome. I <clears> it, love it. it took me a while to, for it to click. I think it was probably the, the second time I was on your site. I'm like, Oh, I get it. Real golfers. It's real golfers making clothing for other real golfers. That's and, awesome. I love, love to hear yeah, that. It made me think of FUBU instantly. So that's, that's very, very cool. So realgolfers.co is the website. I, I know my shirt got shipped out to me super quick. Comes in a nice recycled bag, which is awesome. Any other things you'd like to add? Where can people learn more if they want to read about you guys and your story? Yeah. Uh, so if you're on Instagram, follow us at, at realgolfersco. That's our main platform. Uh, we post golf tips, mostly mental stuff that I help uh, people I caddy for with. Uh, and on top of that, we started a caddy blog on the website. So it's me talking to different caddies uh, about their experiences, caddying the ocean course or other courses. Last week I did uh, my friend Kenny, who has caddied on tour on the Corn Ferry Tour, LPGA, PGA, uh, as well as seven years at the ocean course. And we sort of just compared and contrasted the differences between what he's doing with the big boys out there on the PGA Tour and with the 20 handicappers uh <laughs> at the ocean course and uh next week we're doing uh we have one female caddy at the ocean course so we're doing a caddy blog about her getting a little female Very perspective cool. on yeah 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 so uh that's on the website it's under the caddy blog but i would say follow us on instagram at real golfers co excellent excellent well henry i really appreciate you coming on this is a fantastic conversation i think a lot of people can learn from your caddying experience and hopefully people actually go and check out realgolfers.co. I'm, I'm not kidding. This shirt is extremely nice. It has immediately made it into my rotation of shirts. 
And I told my children the same thing I tell them with all of my high end stuff. If you steal this, it's punishable by death. So <laughs> do yourself a favor, go check out, uh, go check out realgolfers.co, snag yourself a shirt. They got some really sick ones on sale as well. So uh, do yourself a favor and open your eyes to a new brand that I think will be coming on strong here. So thank you so much, Henry. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash Griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.